This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. A lot of people in the classical music world may be tuning into the Super Bowl this Sunday to hear Renee Fleming perform the national anthem along with a recording of the New Jersey Symphony. But there's another draw besides the Seattle Seahawks and Denver Broncos. There will be 55 commercials in the big game, and chances are some of them will feature classical music. Classical music in commercials goes back decades. One of the oldest may be Quaker Oats shooting cereal from guns to the 1812 overture. Now artists and labels are getting savvier about how they license their music to advertisers. Here in the studio to talk about this is Jerry Krenick, Managing Director of Global Music Production at the agency McGarry Bowen. And on the phone, we have Randall Foster, the Director of Licensing and Business Development at the record company Naxos. Jerry, I'm going to start with you. At this point, a lot of people are concerned that classical music has been sort of marginalized in American culture. Why are advertisers deciding to use classical music in TV commercials? At McGarry Bowen, for instance, we're, we're using Rhapsody in Blue, which has been in use for a long time with United Airlines. And I'm not quite sure. It could be that there is a, there is a cachet of recognizability with a lot of classical music. It gives a certain weight gives a certain gravitas to what's being put across and the story being told. So it could just be that there is a nice resurgence, and it could be just a good timing for that to come back into uh, the favor of commercial music, and uh, I think it's a good thing. Randall, are you finding that classical music is being used maybe in ironic or snarky kinds of ways because it connotes high class, even if the product is something like potato chips? Well, classical music is very serious in its own nature, I do find that often the use is polarized. Either it's taken on its face value for the emotion that it does present, like perhaps a barber's adagio for strings, you know, in the, in the closing scene of Platoon or, or something like that. You know, there's there's a usage there that 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 is very emotional that that dips into the music for that. Or on the far spectrum, there's a great bit of irony in, in placing something classical and very rigid under a very funny storyline. And we, we've had a couple of commercials where that happened, and it really kind of made the commercial pop. Specifically coming to mind would be an E-Trade spot we did last year using Hungarian Rhapsody number 2. Why don't you explain a little bit of what you did with that? <laughs> the E-Trade commercial basically... Actually, honestly, I, I can't go into a deep explanation of why it was chosen. Jerry can probably speak more to the creative side of why things get chosen than I can. Sure. It's certainly a process, uh, one that goes through many, many different, uh, different layers. And as a music producer, we, we begin very early in the process collaborating with creative directors. And as it goes through, the spot goes through various edit iterations, et cetera, things will change. And so... Do they come to you and say, we want something classy, what can we use? Or do you just wind up throwing ideas at them and see what sticks? It happens both ways. Definitely happens both ways. A lot of times we'll have a real concrete point of view from the get-go, which we can pull off, we can execute, we can reach out to people like Randall during those beginning creative exploratory stages. Or sometimes it'll just be, we're not sure what we want here. Let's score something original. Let's pre-score. Let's reach out for tracks that are classical but maybe are have a bit of a, a hybrid vibe to them or, or maybe a, uh, 
some electronic elements along with some classical orchestration, and let's start talking about different textures. We're not quite sure, but maybe we can start point A here, and then we get to point B a little bit down the road. So it really varies. Randall, do you ever have commercial producers who come to you and just say something like, I need something classy and leave it to you to say, here are some things you could use? We do go on searches for folks very regularly. Usually it's not as vague as I need something classy. But, um, you know, very often, you know, we'll get a request for something that sounds like Philip Glass. You know, perhaps Philip Glass's compositions are utilized all over the advertising space, and perhaps they just don't want it to sound exactly like that one commercial that the competition did, but they want the same kind of idea. And so, uh, like you mentioned something about, you know, the electronic elements, Jerry, with classical music, and uh, I, I find that contemporary classical music plays very nicely into the advertising space, at least at least it has recently for us. And Jerry, you did use actual Philip Glass did in a Philip. Verizon commercial. That's true, and uh, which was a few cues of his from Fog of War that we ended up taking, and then he and his crew adapted to uh, to film, so it fit the story a little bit. Why that piece? Tighter. It was uh, exactly what Randall was saying. I mean, it, it could have served as a temp track. It was something that the editor put against the film. It was one of those moments when the film was being cut. That piece was the pace that was needed, and it, it went on the film, and it never went away. And uh, we all agreed it was a great approach, and thankfully Philip Glass agreed. I was going to say, what did Philip Glass say when you came to him and said, we want to use your music? He agreed. He was he was definitely up for it. He liked the spot a lot. Um, it's intelligent technology. He he thought it was a uh, very good use of the, the piece, and uh, so we adapted it across a few uh, few spots of that campaign, and, and it was, a, it was a, it's a nice success. Has either of you ever been in a position where you really wanted to use music by a living composer or maybe a particular recording, and the artist said, absolutely not. It does happen. You are denied use, but I'll say it's rare nowadays. A lot of people, that's the nice thing about commercial music world. People are up for it. Um, the stigma has, has gone away years ago. Things have changed. It's now very much a part of the of the industry. It's very much part of the music industry. I think people it's evident, too, the way the labels and publishers promote their artists, promote the uses of the songs. And we have a lot of uh, artists who have never, say, worked on a commercial who uh, are willing to write for us. There was the famous No More Rice Krispies commercial, which was kind of, for some people, sacrilegious. The one where they took the aria from Pagliacci and oh. it was, No more Rice Krispies, we've run out of Rice Krispies. Some people loved it and some people hated it. Has either of you ever been in a position like that? I had a commercial that I did uh, a few years ago with, with Axe Shower Gel that was ran primarily in Latin America, but they took a piece from Romeo and Juliet and they laid over new vocals to it to lead to the scene, much like the No More Rice Krispies thing. You know, because the underlying publishing was out of copyright, um, it made it a very easy decision for us. It was just whether or not we wanted to be a part of the project, and it was a fun, interesting project, and so we proceeded. I wouldn't call anything sacrilegious, you know, especially not on something that is used as often as Pagliacci. I mean, that's that's kind of been around the world a couple of times now and back. Randall, you Sorry. were just involved in a commercial where you used Je veux vivre, the aria from Gounod's opera, Romeo and Juliet. And that's a pretty racy commercial and a pretty unusual use of it, commercial for herbal essences. I should add that there are going to be links to these commercials, some of them on our website, wqxr.org. 
Where did the idea for that come from? That was one of those commercials where they came in and they, they wanted good opera arias. You know, we wanted it to be in this vein, and we, and we delivered a bunch across. I believe in that case, this was actually the temp track that they, that they liked, and we sent over a ton of other stuff, including this, and I think they stuck with this. You mentioned earlier the United Airlines use of Rhapsody in Blue. Now, mm-hmm. that is a partnership that goes back to the 1980s. That's classic. And even when United recently merged with Continental, there were things they kept from each airline, and Rhapsody in Blue was one of the things that they kept. Why did they make that decision? It was very exciting because when we won United Airlines business uh, a few years ago, I was very excited as a music producer to know that I'd be able to work with that piece of music. And you've recently branched out into not just using the one little bit that they always used of Rhapsody in Blue you're using more pieces of the piece. Right, right. The objective definitely was to, we produced a full brand new recording of Rhapsody in Blue with uh, with the London Symphony Orchestra. And uh, a big part of what I wanted to do was approach it very much from a cinematic perspective and big instrumentation and bold and, and sweeping. Then there are just so many textures to work with. And thematically, it's all over the place, but it's all so memorable. And I wanted it to act as the brand, but not just a section that people had been used to hearing. We, I, I wanted to utilize the piece for what it was. I wanted to utilize as much music as we could from Rhapsody in Blue, and, and I wanted to get as much as we could out of that piece. And and, and the current commercial has a large orchestra with a large yes. brass section on the plane. Yes, Whose the, idea was that? that? That Our executive creative directors and the, the creative teams put that together to that was the launch of the campaign, the first broadcast uh, spot launch. And so we shot uh, an orchestra on the plane. We had uh, arranged a 60-second version uh, of Rhapsody, very much within the aesthetic that we produced uh, the the entire piece on. And uh, that was a way to really showcase the, the plane itself, the room on the plane. And, and by having these instruments on the plane, I think it was a very cool way to demonstrate that. Randall, you were responsible for a Google spot that uses Carmina Burana. How do you handle a piece that has been used so much like Carmina Burana? Is there any danger that it might be overkill? Well, again, the, the creative decision to use Carmina Burana fell very much outside of my space here. It was through a close relationship we have with Google that that kind of came about. You know, obviously, Carmina Burana is a, is a published work, so the publishing side of it had to be put together, and we tried to work with them to uh, to end up with an end product that everybody could be proud of, that came in at a price that everybody could afford. And so, uh, the really spectacular thing for me and for us with that specific recording being utilized in the commercial was that the actual album artwork was seen in the commercial as well. It's always very exciting to have your music in a commercial, but when you can actually show the album artwork and when Marin Alsop gets to look at a commercial and see <laughs> her face on the Google commercial, even if only for a split second, um, it's very exciting. I guess so. Would you ever use, uh, Jerry, a piece as some would say overworked as Carmina Burana? Or is it just su- it's such a powerful piece that it just gets people? Yeah, it's pretty automatic. It's pretty automatic. Uh, we, I definitely would say that uh, I'm sure there could, there could be some instances where we where we would use it. We are coming up on the Super Bowl, and it will feature one selected Doritos commercial from a campaign. 
where people have all over the world this year have submitted commercials that they've made, and they're all online for everybody now to vote from. And I noticed that there is classical music in back of each and every one of them. Hmm. Classical music Doritos. I have to look at those. I'm aware of the campaign. I haven't seen those uh, yet to, to judge them, but that's pretty interesting that all five have classical behind them. Is there a big difference if something is in the public domain and if rights to it have to be secured? Because I know that for Rhapsody in Blue, there was a rather sizable amount that was paid to the Gershwin estate because Rhapsody in Blue was not in the public domain. Correct. It's not in the public domain. Not yet. So, I mean, there are definitely advantages to using a public domain piece of music. And do you go for that? We have, absolutely. Or if you, I mean, if you can, do you try and go for something? Uh, sure. It's usually a creative decision, really. By it, it, At that point, it's there's a creative reason why we're using a public domain piece. Um, we've had all sorts of um, scenarios where we've reinterpreted public domain in many different ways. Uh, speaking on this subject in terms of uh, using a classical piece, absolutely. But like I said, it's really driven by more of a creative ask and creative decision why we would why we would do that. Um, but a lot of those are recognizable pieces, something that's automatic and and you can clear the master quite easily on something like that. Randall, does the public domain issue play into it when you're licensing something? If I'm working with someone who's on a strict budget, it tends to help the bottom line to stick with public domain uh, music. Um, there are cases when it just doesn't work. Like Jerry said, you know, the creative really drives everything in this. You know, if, if they want modern music and if the entire ad is built around modern music, Mozart just really won't fit the bill. Jerry, I'm going to ask you both the same question. Is there one piece out there that you've always wanted to use in a commercial and you haven't yet been able to? Mm. I, I have to tell you, working with Rhapsody in Blues, that to me is, it doesn't get better than that for me. And do you ever okay. get a client who says, you're going to put classical music in this? Not anything like that. No, there's never any. You know, usually there's there's a reason we're doing it, and we'll we'll, we'll explain it before we present it, or they'll understand kind of the intent before they hear it. So. No and Randall, is there a piece in your catalog that you've just been dying for somebody to use that you think why doesn't somebody put this into a commercial? I can't really name a piece specifically, but we've got over four hundred thousand tracks in our catalog that we represent. So it's it's a big ocean. Of music, I do think if I'd have to pick anything that I'm just dying to get placed, you know, because of Naxos's position in the classical music industry, we release an awful lot of recordings of modern composers, and I've gotten to befriend some of those, and I would love to see their music utilized in the advertising space if, if it was the right fit. Folks like Mohammed Farouz, David Lang, John Mackey, Carter Pan, there's so many great composers out there that, you know, are perhaps the next Gershwin uh, that are just really waiting to be heard. And these are the guys that, man, if, if we could pull off an advertisement with those guys, that to me is a major win because it's not a win for classical music now. It's a win for classical music in the future. Well, thank you both very much. Jerry Cranick is Managing Director, Global Music Production at McGarry Bowen. Randall Foster is Director of Licensing and Business Development at Naxos. You've been listening to Conducting Business. Our producer is Brian Wise. I'm Naomi Lewin.